the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney. And I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you in the past, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education, my training, my experiences and my life's observation, as well as my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. However, I also practice the related fields in my overall financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference point, that is to say how they intersect with the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And as I grew up as a military brat, following my dad and my stepfathers and my mothers around the country and around the world. And I married, uh, was married to a soldier and we uh, created our own military brat. Uh, I have as such firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital based economic system, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And again, I I know (laughs) you've heard this before, but I just have so much love, admiration and respect for both my grandmothers uh, because they both helped raise me. And, you know, they lived through and even thrived the four great economic challenges of women of color uh, in the last century. That is to say, well, not just women of color, but everybody, the Great Depression, World War Two 
And because they were women of color, the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through and through our society today. And again, it is out of my great love, respect and admiration for these women who loved and raised me and these women who were themselves raised in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South. And again, out of their great, out of my great respect for them, I look for opportunities to attempt to at least vindicate the rights of seniors and or disabled folks who find themselves the targets of and unfortunately more and more the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder or disabled adult abuse that you could ever imagine that's running rampant in our very greedy society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you have guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or to reclaim or to rehabilitate your or your family's business or financial health wealth and money related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues you may need to consider as you seek out to find the qualified professional help that I think you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your money or your other finances or your overall assets or anything to do with your debts. Okay, so today we're going to continue the topic we've been discussing for the last few weeks. That is to say, how do we gain a better understanding of the current state of our economy, how it works, how we got to this particular place in time, and when we can move on to a better day? And more importantly, how we can prepare to survive and thrive even in an economic downturn. Now, we began our discussion by looking at the generic causes of inflation and the fact that the disruption in our global oil manufacturing subcomponent and food provisioning supply chains that were bought on by COVID-19 and its aftermath, along with the war in Ukraine and That has only exacerbated an increased price of gas and finished goods and foodstuffs, not only here in the United States, but around the world, to the point, unfortunately, as I shared with you last time, many of our brothers and sisters that we share this planet with, especially those in poor nations, are facing starvation. And some of us here in the United States, the most wealthy country in the world, deal with not having enough food to feed ourselves and our children on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so then we look at how and why and when economists determine that a recession has or has not or already started in retrospect. That's what we looked at uh, the last time we were together. 
But even though most prognosticators don't believe we're in one right now, the continued use of short-term interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve Board uh, to combat inflation just might push us into one. And for that reason alone, the continued possibility of a recession in the next several months, but more importantly, because of what I consider that we all need to have, and that's good economic hygiene. I believe we all need to have a good understanding of what a recession is and is not. And from there, we can launch into a discussion as to what we need to do to prepare for the next recession, because we now know recessions, hopefully they're far apart, but even if they're very far apart, they are an inevitable part of our ever-evolving, ongoing business cycle. So to prepare for that, we discussed uh, last time uh, the fact that I think everybody needs to have a budget. If you haven't created one, you need to create one. And if you have one, you need to pull it out of the drawer and, you know, take pen and, uh, or pencil at hand and sharpen it up. You have to have a budget. You need a budget for good economic hygiene because if you don't have a road map showing where your money comes from and how you use it each month when things are going well or relatively well, you won't know what you need to do to be able to make the adjustments that you will need to undertake to survive during an economic downturn. And last time we also uh, discussed the fact that you need a strategy now to prepare for a recession, including creating an emergency fund that's two to two to three to six months of uh, your operating expenses squirreled away somewhere in case we have a recession and you could lose your job or have your income reduced. If you have squirreled away, you know, two to three to six months worth of your living expenses, you will have a breath of time to catch up. You also need to diversify your investments. Don't have all of your money in one investment kind. Look at other investments. If you have money in the stock market and it's all in stocks, you need to look at putting some of it in bonds. And if you have all of your money in the stock market, that's a bad thing. You need to have money invested in real property. You need to have money invested in something else so that you have some leverage, you'll have somewhere to go. You need to create additional income streams. And I teased last week that maybe you should consider putting your children to work. And I was teasing, but maybe your teenager should consider bringing in some bucks. I read in the uh, New York Times, I don't just read the Wall Street Journal, I read the New York Times every day, I read the Washington Post every day, and I read the LA Times every day. In one of those great publications, they were talking about babysitters, teenage babysitters can now charge $30 an hour. (laughs) And the other thing I saw in today's Wall Street Journal, because we're recording this show on Friday the 19th of August, It now takes $300,000 to raise a child to be ready to go to college. $300,000, okay? That's about $20,000 a year. 
So maybe you, I was, I, I shouldn't have been kidding about finding a way for your children to help you bring money in. And then we also talked about the last time, you know, how you can actually uh, survive a, a, a recession, mostly by pulling the family together, talking things over honestly and frankly, and keeping yourself finding ways to enjoy your life. So I'm going to I, I promise now we're going to dig a little bit deeper, and we will. But first, I want to give you a bit more information that has historically been an even more salient predictor of the coming recession than the GDP two-quarters uh, downturn. It's a phenomenon known as the inverted yield curve. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our discussion on what we can and must do to prepare for the next recession, as we now know that they, that is to say recessions, are an inevitable part of our ongoing business cycle. And we will, but first I want to share with you some information about what is an even more salient fact-based historical predictor of a coming recession, more so than the two quarters of contracting gross domestic, domestic product rule of thumb used by many in the media. It is a phenomenon known as the inverted yield curve. So my source material today uh, for this today's discussion are many, including my own research and writing. But I found this really great website entitled Current Market Valuation, located at currentmarketvaluation, all one word, dot com, forward slash models, forward slash yield dash curve. Now, the entity that produces this information and the platform host of the current market valuation, they say that they are a resource to track long-term indicators of market valuation. They say that this site is an educational resource on market cycle and fundamentals, but not to be a stock trading strategy or a timing system. Research has consistently shown for decades that the best investment strategy, including for retail investors, retail investors or consumers like you and me, is a long-term buy and hold strategy and that the more you actively trade, uh, you're an actively trading retail investor, the more you do that, the worse your investment portfolio performs. Again, this is CMV's um, uh, statement about itself and what it believes, its philosophy. CMV makes judgments about whether or not the market is under or overvalued relative to historic norms, but those ratings are not necessarily predictive of future rallies or crashes. Valuation models um, like the ones that are used on CMV can be wrong and they can be wrong for a very long time. Even if the market does revert to norm, it may not be for years or even decades. 
So why am I bringing this information to you? And why do I think it's important? Well, I agree with CMV. When they say the United States Treasury yield curve is quickly flattening, meaning short-term interest rates are moving up closer to or higher than long-term interest rates. This unusual occurrence has historically been a very reliable indicator of an upcoming recession. In fact, since World War II, every yield curve inversion has been followed by a recession in the following 6 to 18 months. And recessions are naturally correlated with a decrease in stock market returns. So according to CMV, the model that they have on their website, it tracks the spread between the 10-year versus the three-year U.S. Treasury to determine the yield curve. It has done so every year between 1965 through to today. And it shows that the last time that there was an inverted yield curve, and that was concerning uh, the period of 2019 and 2020, in fact did precede the subsequent April 2020 recession. So while CMV's three months to 10 year model still shows uh, reasonably normal performance, Short-term yields are quickly moving up and the proportion of the yield curve are now beginning to flatten and even invert. So put a pin in it. Under the normal, um, how they determine this? There, you graph, um, you use a graph to show the relationship between the yield of a particular asset over time and the normal configuration of the yield curve is one that upwardly slopes because the shorter the time frame for the uh, return of your investment in a short-term bond, it, the, the amount of return is much less than a long-term return. And so therefore in its normal state, the yield curve is upwardly sloping to the right. When things start to go a little bit haywire in the marketplace, investors start making other decisions. The yield curve flattens out. And when things are going really cray-cray, as we say in the neighborhood, the yield curve actually slopes downward. And so that's what we're talking about. It appears, according to CMV and, and their statistical analysis, the yield curve is flattening, and in some instances, it's inverting, okay? So what is the basis of the yield curve theory? It refers to a, a chart, a charting of the current price of the United States Treasury instruments by ma maturity. The U.S. Treasury currently issues debt in maturities of one, two, three, and six months, and then also in 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 10, 20, and 30 years. These are bonds, just like any other, meaning that if you bought a $1,000 bond and it had a 10-year maturity, 
and a 2% interest rate, you would pay the Treasury $1,000 today, and you would receive $20 from the Treasury in years one through nine, and then you would get, in, in the 10th year, you'd get your investment back and the interest rate for that year, or $1,020. So that's what you get at the end of 10 year. The current rates, you can find them by going to the U.S. Treasury website. Now, interest rates that these bonds give out, they reflect two particular main factors. That is the federal funds rate and it also the your expected rate of return. And those that is how these bonds, the amount that they cost, because sometimes you can buy a $1,000 bond for $800 if it's sold at a discount because not enough people are buying it. On the other hand, you could pay $1,200 for a $1,000 bond, giving out that yield that I talked about earlier because everybody wants to buy it. So those are the two factors. The, the, um, the rate of return or the fund rate is what the Fed thinks that the interest rate should be. And how much you pay for it has to do with the expected rate of return. So to best illustrate that, you assume that a three-month treasury bond that has a rate of 2.5%. Again, this is saying that an investor can lend money to the government. So that's what you do when you buy a bond. You're lending money to the government so the government will have money to run off of. And, and then in this particular instance, you'll lend it for three months and you'll get an annualized rate of 2.5% interest. The government pays you for borrowing money, just like when you borrow money from the bank, you have to pay it interest. When you lend money to the government, it pays you interest. So if you're an investor, that rate, that would be uh, what you would need to receive in order to extend a loan to our U.S. government for three months to 10 years. Now, 10 years is a really long time and many more attractive investment opportunities will come up while you have your money tied up in the Fed for 10 years, getting two and a half percent. So if you've committed your money to a U.S. Treasury bond and you won't get it back for 10 years, you need to be getting paid a high enough return to be comfortable with tying that money up when you could possibly do it, do something else with it. So what is, how does this inversion come into this? The inversion is a term used when the long-term interest rate is lower than the short-term interest rate, and that's because everybody is running to the long-term interest rate because they think the short-term interest rate is going to contract, and it it, it makes it such that you, you get a, a, a lesser rate of return for the long term because there's an inverse relationship between the amount of, of, of return that you get on a bond and, and, and its price. So I, I hope I'm not confusing you, but I want you to understand that that particular inversion is there, there's signs of it. And so that makes our discussion about what we need to do to prepare for a recession even more important. 
I'm not hoping for a recession. Everybody hopes we're wrong. But, it, you know, it's just good economic hygiene to prepare for the recession, especially when a the, the inverted yield curve, which has been a predictor of every recession we've had, uh, it's showing signs. And that's why I'm bringing it to you. So inverted yield curves are very rare, occurring only once in a decade or so. However, they almost always immediately come before a recession. And that's why we're talking about it now as part of our overall economic hygiene. And that's what we're into these days. So the next time we get together, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into what we need to prepare for the next recession and how to survive it. But we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing here at Selden's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws of economics and finance that keep our ec- our economies in our families and our small business in our society afloat. But in the meantime, again, as it appears that we're going to be living with COVID for a long time and it hasn't gone away, I say the least we need to do is get va- vaccinated, boosted, and You know, even if you have all your shots, but especially if you don't, when you're out and about, please consider wearing a mask. You know, some people laugh at me because I wear mine, but you know what? I don't want to get COVID and I don't want you to get it either. So till next time, take care and stay safe and watch your money. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.